and you stomp the landing and just like with all your tools on, boom. I was like, I'm working with the, with the god here. Like, I don't know how. Legolas. Yeah. It's like when he comes off the elephant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're such a loser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Efficient by Design podcast. Uh, we are here in our little studio in the corner of our storefront with my brother Brad and Dustin High. So Brad, as a reminder, just works in the back of the production shop with us, and Dustin is a kind of storefront manager working on the front end of the business here. Uh, so we're going to pick up the discussion kind of where we left off last time. Um, so we basically discussed last time the first project we ever did as Acrobus Construction when we stepped out of flooring and into back into building and uh, construction again. And <clears throat> the biggest thing that comes to mind for me was that was like the beginning of having to do concrete. That was like, you know, big wake up call that carpenters here do their own concrete. So we got assistance with some, uh, by some, from some local framers that we knew that helped us get to the first one. And then we we're kind of off to the races in a sense after that. I think we were basically solo after that. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yep. So what was the next job? Where did we go from there? I think we did some smaller homes in Oliver and Soyuz mm -hmm. and then made our way to Kaliden after that. But yep. we went from the mountain goat you know, stepped form work to a nice flat by a lazy river yep. Yep. lot, which was lovely. And I mean, Heritage Hills, really, in, in reality, to start the first house in Heritage Hills, that's a, a pretty hoity-toity little neighborhood too, yeah. right? Supposedly yeah. Wayne Gretzky had a, a house up the hill from where we were okay. building. Yeah. I don't know. If, don't you remember that? That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, we yeah, basically lot. built his house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we, but that lot, I remember now, like I've driven by that again, yeah. you know, since, and like I drive up and I'm like, man, that's a gnarly lot to build on. Cause this driveway is like steep down the bank and it's, you know, uh, drives into the main level and there's a walkout basement below that and foundation retaining walls below the basement. Mm -hmm. And then it was basically a, a two story with a walkout basement. The, and the other one we worked on had a, had a pool, had a big pool. Right. So yeah, then we were, we helped. So that was with, uh. Rivendell Homes that we built that first project for. And they also had another project up at the top of Heritage Hills. Mm -hmm. So Heritage Hills is a um, high-end community on the side of um, Skaha. Skaha Lake, um, up on basically rock bluff cliffs and uh, yeah, super beautiful, incredible views. I've built, I think in, in the end, I probably built five, mm -hmm. five or six houses up there. And you get like, you know, in places like, 200 degree mm -hmm. you know lake view because you're kind of out on the precipice of that whole rocky outcrop and you can see down the lake both directions but we built uh, or helped finish off a project up there i remember the site still this is from so long ago mm -hmm. hh5 was the name mm -hmm. of the, the lot mm -hmm. and it had been blasted into the rock and it was like a was a seven or eight thousand square feet yeah kind of partial timber frame and glass and modern and super high end mm -hmm. um so we got to go help finish off that project. That was with Brooks and Kenny. Yeah. And yeah. true or false? The thumb? Did he slice off his thumb with the skill saw? <laughs> Brooks? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not yeah. when we were there though. That was no, after no, that us. was after. That was yeah, yeah. that was probably 
I want to say six years later. Okay. Was it anyway. back on? Was it back on? I don't remember. He he took a piece of his a good chunk of his thumb off, I believe. Oh, okay. I might try and get him on as a uh, as yeah. a guest here. I wondered point. if he gets, you know because you hear about people that lose a thumb and then they is it true that sometimes they'll take the big toe. Yeah. And they'll attach the big yeah. toe to the thumb because they'd rather have a thumb than a toe or something. Yeah. Like, I think that's a legit thing. I don't I think Brooks someone, have, had that, but. I saw somebody with it once. Oh, really? Yep. My wife and I, we were in an airport. <laughs> we were in an airport and we're walking down the corridor and looking around, people watching. And a woman walked by. And I was like. <laughs> and she had a big toe for a thumb. It was way too big. Square nail. Color was off. You could see like discoloration from the scar, like big, <laughs> big hairy, hairy knuckle. <laughs> was, but did you see was, the other hand? Uh, I think. I mean, it was it was super. It obvious. could have just been her thumbs. Maybe. maybe I don't know. I, I'm to this day, Tia and I both are like. <laughs> remember when toe. we saw the toe thumb? Yeah. Holy goodness! Yeah. Anyway, Heritage Hills, and yeah. the, and the other thing, there was the most janky house up at Heritage Hills. There was one that some builder did it. Remember, it was on that rock. And they, the inspectors and everything like shut it all down. We went and looked at it to see how it was all like sloughing off the cliff and yeah. everything. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's anyway. a lot of beautiful high-end houses and some super sketchy stuff. But Brooks, I remember, and we'll probably, if we get him on, we'll talk to him specifically. I remember hearing through the grapevine he had taken his thumb off. Yeah. And he's like incredible athlete, like professional, almost think motocross, uh, hockey player, mm -hmm. amazing golf. golfer. Yeah. And so you hear about him taking off his thumb and you're like, you kind of need that for all those disciplines. But he, I remember talking to him, um, you know, quite a while after when he was all healed up. I'm like, what, what did you do? Did it like get crushed? Or really like, I was cutting off a rafter tail. I was up on the roof. Mm. Some I've done tons of times. I grabbed this funny, sobbed upside down, leaned over and just, and my thumb on the backside took, took it off. Hey. It was just a, a hurried, stupid, mindless moment. Like, oh, it's brutal. Kind of like the mindless moment in a Soyuz. We were framing up the exterior walls and there was a staircase behind us that we hadn't put, built the stairs yet. So it was plywood over the hole. Yep. And we were going to try to decide, do we build the railing, the safety railing around the hole? Mm -hmm. Like take the time to do it then or just quickly build the exteriors, slide the plywood out of the way. Everybody know the holes here. Yeah. Because we had just the dance floor on. We had sheeted it. We're doing exteriors. Yeah. And the stairwell in the middle. Yeah, we just threw sheets over it for the time being, framing walls. And then they were in the way of building yes. those walls. So like, let's get the sheets out of the way. Not that it would ever happen, but if someone were to fall through, that's about a 10 foot, including the... Yeah, floor system, 10 feet. And you got your footings down there. There was a, there was a couple concrete mm -hmm. pads yep. mm -hmm. that we hadn't, you know, haven't been set up yet and stuff. So there was a pretty gnarly yep. spot down there. Yeah. And... <laughs> You tell half and I want to tell half. Uh, yeah. So we stood there and we thought for a second, pretty caring few seconds. Brad wasn't with, with us then. Mm -hmm. No. At this time. And we were like, well, should we build the railing, guys? Nah. We all know it's here. Everybody know it's here? Yep. And the railing would have been in the way anyway. Would have been in the way. It would have been annoying. So let's just frame the walls. So, so Luke goes out, grabs an armful of studs. We pulled the sheets off the sterile opening. It's yep. Now. And I follow him out. We're in a hurry. I follow him out grab a lift to studs and I see he's got, you know, two studs cause that's all he could carry. And I thought, well, I'm going to max this baby out. And I pick up a whole bunch. Like 30 years. Yeah. Like 30. Yeah. And so I'm huffing him through pretty proud of myself watching him lay, drop his studs down and I'm coming in behind him 
and I'm looking at where he is, and I'm I taking over now. <laughs> so we go to studs. I come back. I drop my studs. I turn around, and I'm now facing across the floor system. And here's Dustin walking onto the floor, towards his wall, and between he and I is the stairwell opening, big black void in the middle of the sheeted floor. And he's walking with his big dumb grin on his face, all cocky and arrogant like he is. It was a really nice grin. And he's walking towards the stairwell hole. And I'm like, I'm not even going to bother saying that there's a hole in the... I mean, it's, it's clear as day. Like I think of... It reminds me of uh, Home Alone 2. When... Is it, is it Marv or Harry? Boots in the front door of the townhouse. Yeah. And looks back and forth. And the floor is missing. Yeah. And he just takes a big step out into the void and then face plants in the basement below. So that's what comes to mind because here Dustin was walking towards me, arm loaded studs and just fully steps into the void. Yep. And I'm, my eyes are just like saucers. I'm watching this. How on earth is this? This happens in cartoons and in slapstick comedies, yeah. not yeah. in real life. So you step in and your foot, you know, it's the sterile opening. What is it? Three and a half, four feet across at that area because your foot made it to the face yeah. the side of the opening. Because I didn't go across the middle. I kind of like was yeah. cutting across the corner of it, so to speak. Because then your boot hit the far side of the face of the joist, which then your shin hits the edge of the plywood yeah. and rakes meat from... Tore, tore my pants all apart. Well, and we didn't know this till after. No. So anyway, he drops. And fortunately, <laughs> the studs span the hole. So then you catch them in your armpit and you're dangling there. Yeah. And then Jim and I... Mostly because I carried so many... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was a nice, right. a nice glue lamb beam under right. my arm. Yeah. So then Jim and I come running over, haul you up out of the hole, and we're all panicked, adrenaline flowing. And you're like happy, go lucky. That's fine, it's fine. I'm good, I'm good, no problem. It's all good. <laughs> and we're like assessing, like, what is going on? And we look, his pants are a little torn, tattered up. I'm like, how's your leg? What? And he pulls his pant leg up, and there's like a pile of flesh up here and just <laughs> raw. Rushed. Yeah, a hairy little pile at the yeah. top. So gross. So then you're in, you're in a bit of shock, but you're making light of it. So he just pulls his sock up as yeah. like a bandage. There we go. And pulls the pants back down. And then you're kind of leaking and bleeding through yeah. there. And then, you know, half an hour later, you're like, oh, I'm pretty sore. Yeah, I got to sit down. <laughs> oh, that was, that's etched in my mind is one of the funniest yeah. moments. I mean, it, it turned out, it could have been bad. Mm. Yeah. But it, uh, but that job was annoying because it was like, what, a, just over an hour's drive? That's the farthest we ever worked from home. And we had to get there because we wanted to start at six. Because in, yeah. in a Soyuz, it'll get over 40 degrees easy. So we'd want to start early to avoid the sun. Yeah. But then Oliver was closer. Well, that one for Jim too, where you fell, that was a favor to a friend of ours yeah. who was in a pinch. Yes. So we wrote, yeah, we drove like an hour and 20 minutes either way. Yeah. I mean, for those of you who are watching who work in big cities, you know, that's not so extreme. But for us, like we worked within half an hour of home all the time. Yeah. That was the one exception we went one ways. Yeah. But then and then Oliver was from what I remember, it was easy peasy. Yeah. Nice flat lot. By a creek or river or something? Yeah. By the river by the river. And there was like eagles, I remember. Yeah. Always there. And there was yeah. beavers. And there was all those trees. That's the It was super oh, yeah. nice. <clears throat> it was really yeah. nice. And yeah, we've we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but the that was a really simple little house. Little rancher, I think, with just like a little shed roof over the deck i think it was pretty straightforward mm. but the thing with that one again was so this now was our i think our second ever foundation yep so like okay now we're into an easy easy foundation yep. and our our approach to to building and foundations doing concrete work was like let's get 
we love framing. Let's get through the concrete so we can get to the framing. Mm -hmm. That was the approach for the first several years. It's like concrete sucks. It's dirty. It's heavy. It's a mess. It's not our forte. We'll just get through it to get to the part that we like. I know that was my, my kind of mentality in regards to framing for several years. Just be like, we do it to get to the framing. That's what we like. It's just a necessary evil in a sense. But during that foundation, that was a, like a four foot foundation. Um, did we have a, was there a corbel built around that to carry the floor system? It doesn't really matter. I'm just trying to think of what that one was like. But what I remember is we, it was just the three of us. Mm -hmm. You were with, with, with us on that one. Yeah. And this was the second time working with Ron, the pump truck driver. Yeah. And that was with his company was, was Arco. And he was such a gem, that guy. Like one of my mm -hmm. favorite, favorite tradesmen I ever worked around. He was like, he was like a wicked hockey player in his youth, I yeah. think, right? Yeah, no. And he played, I think, like he played in <clears throat> well into his later years for sure. Yeah, high level. Yeah. But at that time, he would have been in his 50s, I would think. Probably. And he's and probably, what, six? He's a tall, big, big dude. Yeah. Yeah, six like, Didn't they call him a shack? Yeah, they called him shack. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I remember like gleaning whatever bit of knowledge from him that we could because he was so generous and helpful. And yeah. like we'd be asked every time we built footings. So I'm like, how these look from what you see around? And we got to the point where, like, you guys' footings are the, the least ones I ever worry about. Like, your guys' stuff is rock solid. It's great. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, we, but we we asked him so many questions and we were, we'd we watch how he's operating the pump and what he's looking for. I'm like, what are you watching for? What are you looking for? And I'm just checking to see the ties are all good. I'm listening to the sounds that the forms are making and, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. uh, and because he'd done it for so long, again, we learned yeah. a ton from him. How to, he was how so to calm and cool. Yeah. You know, and, and even when, and I actually remember that was the first time that the the pump truck had got a, a, a plug in it. A plug in it. Mm. And I remember being like, well, what do we do now? Yeah. And then and then that's like when the machine revs up and I'm like, oh my goodness, he's going to blast this and yeah. everybody clears out of the way. And like, but I remember yeah. you pulling the sleeve off and well, that, would, having to. Depending where the plug is. Yeah. They'll either, you know, take it apart and, and find it or he'll like just swing it out into no man's land. Like, hey, I'm going to put some pressure behind everyone yeah. stand back and we'll yeah. see if we can yeah. push this out of here. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you, I was running, I was running the hose mm -hmm. and you, were you were vibrating? Yeah. So we're going along, we're walking on top of our little four foot forms and well, you should tell this cause you were right there and yeah. So I think <clears throat> the way that we had the forms all, all sturdy, it was basically, yeah, we had the, bracing. We had the bracing, we had the lump of concrete with the two by six in it and then mm -hmm. we'd use that. And so most Let's, of the, so those, we call those moon pies later. So those of you who are listening, uh, when we braced our walls, instead of driving stakes in the ground, during the footing stage, we'd leave a pile pile of concrete strategically placed, uh, just like a two foot in diameter pile of concrete, stick lumber in them, and then that would set up. And then we we're building our walls. We'd then brace to those, so they're super solid stakes. Yeah. So that's what he's referring to. And so some of those braces, you know, they go up to the form and they're braced there. Some of them, if it's up on a hill, they kind of go down towards it. And so that was the one. That's where I got into trouble. And so I, th I think with doing all the forms, they were all really greasy. Everything was like really greased up. And one of the yeah, one of the um, two by fours that was supporting the wall, it was coming down this way. So I'm walking on, on the top of the forms and I think just, I just had to step on one of those ones that was coming down. And as I stepped and put my weight on it, my foot just slipped, rode it right down into the form. And so my other leg fell off the side of the form, my whole leg up about up to my to knee, up to my knee went into the form and the rest of my body fell the other way. The other way. 
And, and as I'm falling, I'm like, oh, I'm breaking my leg. This is what it's like. And, <laughs> so gross. And, and I think like before it even happened, like shock just went there because I didn't feel anything other than like a pop and a, like a, just this, this thing. And I hit the concrete. And your leg footing. came right off. Yeah. Right off. Yeah. And they just continued to pour. <laughs> came down there. Yeah. And so I hit the form and then my foot just came shooting out. And then, you know, everyone's like, and Ron. Yeah. He, what did he do? He was just like, he watched it happen because I was right there. He watched you go down. He's like, his leg's broken. It's broken. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, he knew right well, away. That's how calm like, and cool sure. he was. He didn't, yeah. he didn't freak out. It was just like a matter of fact, broken leg. <laughs> like, you know, so I hit the ground and so we can't stop, right? So I basically, I don't know if I just went and sat he it out. over to the truck. We were shocked because you were like, I, I, I don't know, I know if it is broken. I, I know, mean, I can move it. It yeah. was whatever. Like, and then... And then so we finished it off. Up. I think I kind of maybe hobbled around. I want to say that I just didn't even, I just finished the whole thing, no problem. But I probably sat there and- <laughs> Troweled a little bit Troweled a bit or something. Yeah. And then it turned out, like we went, I think you guys took me to the hospital. I don't even remember this, but I'm pretty sure we went, yeah, went in remember. and got checked out. And they're like, your, your leg, like you've obviously twisted and, and torqued, but I didn't- Didn't break anything. No, no. And you were off work for like a week? About a week. And yeah. hobbling around for a bit. But there's that, the greasy forms, which is why you slid in there. Um, is also why you came out because your foot yes. went in and then just slid right out of there. Yeah. Um, so after that project. But wait. But wait. There's one thing I love about that job. Okay. Because, Brad, I don't know if Luke did this to you. He probably didn't love you as much as me, mm. which is why he would do this to me all the time. But we would be usually in a hardware store and we'd be getting a tool or picking up a thing. And if we happened to be in the same aisle, he would usually have a weird dumb look on his face. And then he would be like, I don't know what this deal is with these hammers, but there is a smell in here I don't understand. Smell this. And it would be always a different item. Work pouch, nails. And I don't know why I wouldn't think of it, but I would go for a big whiff and he had just dropped a huge one. And then I'd get a whole like nervous system full of, course. of his smell. Yeah. And he was so delighted and teary-eyed walking around to the next aisle. And so I didn't know how to get him back, but it was that job that we were on the roof. It was a beautiful day. And it was, I don't know if it was in the fall or something. It was a little bit cool mm -hmm. out. Yeah. And somebody had a fire going and like a neighbor had a fire going. And it was, it was one of those moments of like, you just love your job. You're in the roof you're framing away. It's gorgeous. You're happy to be outside. It's not too hot, not too cold. And I'm up there doing my thing and Luke's making his way towards me. I can't remember what we were doing, but I just ripped an extensive library of flatulence and silent. It, silent. Yes. Well, it wouldn't have mattered. You couldn't hurt hear it anyways okay. over the, the din of the neighborhood. All right. And, uh, so I'm just, it's extraordinary. And he moves in close proximity and he's just, <laughs> oh, and then he goes for again. Oh, somebody is roasting marshmallows. I love, <laughs> and he just keeps getting a total, like filling his entire soul with the smell. And I couldn't even move i just like laid on the trusses crying and he's uh, totally awesome. clueless and it was yeah. the only time yeah. i think i've ever gotten him back <laughs> and i can't funny. i can't let it go i know on that exact same house <clears throat> before we move on i think it was the first time 
that you and I actually kind of had a bit of a fight. And you probably don't remember this. Luke wasn't there. I think, I don't know, he was probably faking oh. sick or something. And you and I, we were, it was with the string line. And so this, this to, to the listeners, like I was, I was new. I was super green. Mm. You know, I didn't know, you know, anything really. And so we had the string line and we were long string line. You were down at this side of the floor. We were going to snap oh, a yeah. line. We had to check something. Yeah. And so I have it. And, and the string has a big like sag in it. And, and you're like, yeah, just pull it a bit tighter. And I'm like, why do I have to pull it tighter? Like I just, I, I already have it. And you're like, can you pull it a bit tighter? So I like, why not pull it a bit tighter, but still has like a, a decent sag. And you're like, Brad, you need to pull it tighter. And so I think you're getting like mad at me. And I'm like, what's the point? <laughs> like, well, I don't even know why I'm holding this stupid string. What is the string going to do? We can't nail with it. We can't saw with it. So I didn't even realize that you were trying to find out how to plumb something or to get something level or to I think I was just line. eyeballing the, I think, I think we were bra doing was. bracing or something. Yeah, you were eyeballing something and you can't yeah. eyeball it when there's this big sag. Yeah. And then I think I like snapped and I'm like, what the heck's up with this? <laughs> like, I got it here, I'm holding it, shut up. And and then and then we had this little thing and it wasn't until afterwards that like I realized how stupid I was for not even realizing that you were trying to eyeball something. And, and I remember like, it was really weird and uncomfortable. Like, yeah, we yeah. had to work it out. We did. That that actually touches on something that's quite profound. I think that we've all had to work through over the last twenty years, twenty plus years. Is that you know for me, I've basically kind of run companies since two thousand and five. So for the last nearly twenty years now, and I've had my family and closest friends working for me the entire time. And managing that balance and keeping respectful, good communication. Um, overall, it's been great because it's been very intentional, strategic on for everyone involved to um, maintain healthy relationship and get benefit for the doubt and communicate well with respect. But it's come with like a lot of housekeeping and discussions and and having to wade through, you know, what was said, how it was said, the intention behind it the tone it was set in, the body language that goes along mm -hmm. with it. And with you and I being three years apart. Um, Two years and 10 there months. There it is. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm older than Brad by, by a bit. You know, we, we fought as kids at times. We played great, but we scrapped a bunch and were wired very differently. But there was, there was, I remember one of the profound moments for me was me having to, you know, be your boss and having a working relationship that was appropriate and healthy, you know, amongst having other employees that weren't my best friends and family members. And it's just like a working relationship. Mm -hmm. It was fairly, it's, it's not complicated. Yep. Um, and thinking in my head, I'm like, okay, at, in this situation, this environment, Brad is my employee. Mm -hmm. And trying to like define that, uh, that simply. And there was times where Brad, you'd respond to me in ways that I would have, I would deem not respectful from an employee that mm -hmm. there was like a little look or mm -hmm. something said with a little bit of attitude and me being like, what the heck? Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be offensive, but he's giving me attitude. If my other employees did this, I would have a talk with them yep. and having to kind of manage that. I remember at one point saying to you, I'm like, Brad, we got to work on this and get better at this because at work, we've got to have a working relationship where you know, I want to be respectful of everything else, but you know, I'm your boss and you're my employee. That's how it's got to be here. And outside of that, you know, we're brothers. It's like, no, no, we're also, we're brothers that work together. Mm -hmm. And that was like a, an eye opener. That was like, that's, 
that's true for me not to for me to try and like separate that mm -hmm. is unrealistic and impossible yep you know as much as there's value in having that approach to some degree the reality is we are brothers that are working together that have roles where there's there's a um, a leader and a follower that we have to manage mm -hmm. and that was the same for you and I um you know in later years uh, in in that you know my experience was in the trades and yours wasn't in the beginning so mm -hmm. then bringing you on as a us starting this endeavor as partners and it being somewhat lopsided in in the actual hands-on knowledge but then you having so much uh, ability and and stuff technically and and social skill and so many other areas like we we definitely were a good union but there was difficulty mm -hmm. in me trying to make a decision on the building and you having a hard time coming to peace with a decision because mm -hmm. you would think it around from so many different angles um so anyway just that that whole environment of working with friends and family um you know my wife did books for me for years so that comes with its challenges at times um mm -hmm. And you know, I've heard people say so oftentimes throughout their careers that you know I never made as much money as when I was working by myself. Mm -hmm. It was the simplest. It was, it was clean, and I made more and no headaches. I started hiring people, and it was nothing but you know mm -hmm. I just lost money and made enemies, and people are all idiots and they just they couldn't handle it. So it, it definitely takes you know the right kind of approach and the the right kind of employees in order to have that be a sustainable, yeah. healthy. Yeah situation and it's not for everybody no and i honestly think that there there's also another reality as well that i like now when when people ask you know what's it like working for your brother what's it like all those kind of things i look back on those times and i see clearly and i'll say to someone like i couldn't handle just being i i, I couldn't handle it it was it was and it was my, my almost more my fault in a way because there was times where we would like we would be yelling at each other. We'd be screaming at something because something would get out of hand and, and you know, my emotions go off. And, and I remember multiple times where, you know, you would, you would even kind of take me aside after I'd calmed down a little bit and kind of been like, I can't have you like challenging and asking all these things about everything. Like sometimes I just need to be able to say to you, this is how we're going to do it. And you just do it. And I remember that being for me, I'm like, oh, this would be really hard for him trying to deal with, my emotions and me as a brother and me, you know, asking these questions and being kind of a, that pain in the ass kind of thing. And I, I did find that um, as I got older, I, I just realized that was something that I really struggled with to just be an employee, which I think I needed to be a lot more of, you know? And so there was times when I would go, I would do other work or I found another job and then I would come back. And I feel like every single time I kind of came back, it got better mm -hmm. and better and easier as I think, you respected me as your brother. I respected you as an employee. And the other thing for people to know is that I don't feel like there's ever really been any competition in us in building. Like I've always been like, I'm, I'm very much like a, a right-hand man or like a third or fourth or fifth-hand man. Like I had so many times when new employees would come. I remember when Chad and Lance started, it was like after like six months, they were as good as me. And all of a sudden I'm seeing them take off and whatever. And I'm like, oh, they're they're really good at what they do. And it just wasn't ever my thing, but I'm so thankful for the the time and the, the amount of things that you taught me that have enabled me to do so much stuff, not just with building my own house, but for building other projects and traveling in the, around the world and doing volunteer projects in New Zealand or going over to the camp and doing stuff there. Like there's, it's such a gift, but it's also, like you said, been without, it hasn't been without the struggles, but the personal growth and 
And I think relationship that the three of us have because of going through all that stuff is yeah. it's a pretty beautiful journey, really. Well, there's there's a lot of fun as well, yeah. as much as there's the tension for sure. The fun, like I think of uh, the houses we did in Kaledon after the Oliver one, um, we were doing a house on the beach right on the water and we're doing the concrete and it's hot and there's lots of concrete complicated concrete yeah radius stuff yeah yeah and so really tall and so the sun's just like beating on you and so at one point i think i don't know it was you first just it was coffee time and we look over and brad's in his gaunch and he's just in the water and suddenly we're like absolutely and then it was all of us in the water having a swim yep and we're like this is amazing we're it was private enough that we could just all go jump in the water and have a good swim and it was hot enough that you would be happy to work the rest of the oh, day yeah. you'd throw your shorts back on or yeah. whatever and we were just loving life until we learned that the homeowner had security cameras watching this <laughs> crew right. of dudes oh, suddenly at every coffee break stripping down into your <clears throat> skivvies and swimming in the lake yeah, that's probably like <laughs> They probably get a reminder on their phone, like, oh, boys are getting naked. <laughs> <laughs> but so many beautiful yeah. Yeah. places to work. Like we would adjust the porta potty so that the door could get propped open facing the lake. Oh, and yeah. yeah. And just some beautiful spots to be fun, fun experiences. Yeah. yeah. And like Luke said earlier, when you, when you are, when the three of us are there and you've got this, the dance floors on and you are just framing walls, everybody's got their job and it's just clicking. Yeah. At the end of the day, you look back and you see how much you got done and everybody's just stoked. You got your tunes playing yep. and like, what, man, such a good feeling. Yeah. yeah. Those are, those are such fun times. I mean, that, I, I feel like you kind of, you hit that gear oftentimes, like even sheeting a floor, mm -hmm. you got somebody who's gluing, somebody who's cutting sheets, somebody who's screwing and you're just like, you're just chasing each other yep. and you're, yeah, it's, it's such a fun thing. Same with framing walls. You know, you get that good system and you're you're getting lots done in a hurry it's uh mm -hmm. and then the thornley song comes on oh, yeah. or the stevie wonder comes that on was, thornley was the band that we got into from working with jim oh on that house right himself. he was yeah, like, right. introduced us to, to that band and yeah. that was like my favorite for oh yeah years. i thought it was yeah. the guys that were the tinnies on on your house that they were musicians the tin bashers that did uh we, that was common ground we had oh okay. we were playing thornley and they're like oh you guys are in your thornley like yeah oh that's true awesome. that's yeah. right <laughs> yeah yeah so then the other one in Kaledon, uh up the hill yep that we did actually before that one down on the lake and that one down the lake like that's when i look back at now like that had some wicked features radius decks on the outside we actually prefabbed and then bolted in in place and the window we'll have to get back to that later on the scaffolding that you built for the giant picture window we had to put in oh yes that one that i was, thought you were talking about the other house that had the radius windows the one where you lean on the wall that's the one i'm going to now okay yeah, yeah. yeah. so that was one where kind of highlight there it's where dustin fell off a roof there and also where <laughs> building exterior walls and i had a phone call i had to call the building supply or homeowner or something and we had a wall up along one side exterior wall and it was like the calm gorgeous beautiful sunny day and we had, I think, just one brace at one end because we were going to build the other end wall and butt it in and tie the corner. So there wasn't there was only one or two braces on it. Mm -hmm. And it was um, long. Yeah, it was like... It was pretty long. It had been like 35, 40 feet long mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. and, and there was a window in it that was like a bathroom window. And I'm on the phone and I'm just got my elbow in the window. I'm on the phone talking. 
And then this gust of wind all of a sudden comes out of nowhere. I'm like, whoa, that kind of was surprising. And then I feel something move. I'm like, it's a wall. And I remember grabbing, <laughs> thinking I'm going to stop. I grabbed the window. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not doing anything. And this wall just <laughs> off the side of the off the side of the house. And there's no excavation was was fairly flat. It wasn't too bad. Like it was second story. Second story as a walkout basement there again yeah. too. Yeah. So it wasn't um, just onto the ground. It was no, like, it was like I think from four to like twelve feet yeah. from one end to the other. Yeah. And this thing off the side, but it kind of went off in an organized fashion and just floated down and yeah. landed. Because it's fully sheeted. Yeah. So it yeah. held together. Parachuted down. Yeah, and dropped to the ground. And so then we're like, you know, is everyone okay? Is anything broken? Like everything is fine. No one's hurt. No tools are smashed. I'm like, okay. Now what? And within, I think it was like half an hour later, I actually had a delivery coming for a bunch more material. Oh, yeah. So, so we're like, we got a truck coming that's got a high up crane on the back. The wall's still intact. We add some bracing to it and get all the nails pulled out. When he backs up here, we're going to just yeah. rig it up and we'll drop it back in place. And sure enough, he pulls up. We had it all rigged up. And within like 15 minutes, he had picked it back up and set it back down. We braced <laughs> the crap out of it. Yes. Um, but yeah, I still remember that moment of that thing starting to go. I was leaning on it. Yeah, there were some tall walls in that one. I remember yep. when we had framed up north together. There was there was always that moment where you have to get the whole crew together to lift the wall. Mm -hmm. I loved that. I loved that moment. And so in when we were framing up north, there was lots of super tall walls. We'd have to get like the zoom boom to help us out, stuff mm -hmm. like that. But I I remember the moment on that job. This wall was huge, oh, and we were like, "Do we think we can lift it?" And we all kind of smirked at each other a little bit. And we're like, yeah, we could do it. No, seriously, can we do it? And it, I remember it being like a pretty serious like mm -hmm. moment of can we actually handle this? Because if we get it partway up and yeah. we can't do it, we're screwed. Yeah. yeah. And we know that. It's like, yeah. this is one of those walls that's going to get us to that awkward spot. where like, is yeah. it going up or are we like bailing and trying to find somewhere to take cover? Yeah. Or so, find a window opening yeah. that you can yeah. run into so yes. that it doesn't crush you. But I remember we had to get ourselves pumped up yeah. and it was a little bit scary, yeah. but we went for it and it was like cheers yeah. all around when we got that sucker up. It was like yeah. that moment of, it took every muscle in your body to hit max yeah. and a little bit extra. And when we got it up and we're like, that probably wasn't the wisest yeah. Yeah. idea. And the smaller your back is just like, just <laughs> yeah. shimmering. You're like, don't collapse yeah. on me. <laughs> and I, I know, like for me, if something's like stupidly heavy, I get a twitch. Yes, totally. By my nose, like, <laughs> yeah, I can't totally. not, I can't not do it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, those are awful moments. Because it's, it's funny too. Like you get it, you get it off the floor. Like, oh, I think it's fine. It's no problem. Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's got a little bit of weight to it. And then you start, you know, walking it up, yep. and there's more and more weight gets over your head. No, that's and you, the worst when it's. And you get that, to that point, and you're like, yeah. if my feet kick out, I'm dead, and yeah. they're dead. Yeah, and if and we also collapses. had to have a little bit of a strategy because the wall was so tall. Yeah, that we had to br do temporary bracing as we were standing it up. Well, you guys tacked you would tack two by fours to the outside of the walls. Yeah, that would drag. Loose, that would drag up. Yeah, and that that actually really helped. It was awesome. Yeah, but that job, the roof. Yep, I was in a hurry because we. I think the roofers were coming, and it was in the morning, and it was a little bit frosty. And there was one section on the roof that needed to be sheeted. And there was snow on the ground. And there was snow on the ground. You left to go pick up some supplies. Yeah. And I yeah. just like, I got this. I'll throw these couple sheets on, no problem. So I just, I'm. Um, what um, are the few times we were wearing ropes? 
Yes. Because like, that roof was icy and snowy. Yep. Because we rarely wore ropes and harnesses. So all the there. anchors were still up there. Yeah. I ran up, clipped in, had the sheet over my shoulder. And so I had the rope in one hand, the sheet, full-size sheet on, on over my shoulder. And I'm whipping it as I'm trying to hustle around the peak. And I come around the peak with the over my shoulder. I'm whipping. I'm annoyed. I'm in a hurry. And my I step over the, the hip. And now in the new plane, my boots hit the frost. In the shadow, I think. Yep. And I start sliding. And I'm thinking, uh-oh. Because I can't. I don't want to scramble it lose the sheet. I thought I could like, it would stop or my rope would catch. So I just decided. You're not sure about how much slack you've got on your rope. Yeah. So I decide I'm going to, I'm going to wait till it catches. And I want to be as relaxed as I can be because I don't want to just toss a sheet and maybe hurt somebody or something. So I'm just holding it and I'm just surfing down this slope. And it honestly felt like forever. I'm just like picking up speed. I'm like, it's going to catch. Didn't you have your arm wrapped around the rope? Like you're like ready to. I think it just was, I was, had my left hand dealing with the slack mm -hmm. and obviously i had let out too much slack and so i'm waiting for it to catch and it doesn't and i just i remember the sound just going from hearing my boots just going shh and then nothing <laughs> and i come <laughs> off the edge and i watch as the four by eight sheet just goes and floats down like a leaf and i'm falling off the roof and it was boulders yeah, there's gnarly ground over there. And I come down. It was like and the, 12, 14 feet to the ground. I don't. Like it was the, that was the walkout basement. Yeah, it would have been side. pretty steep. Are you yeah. Spider-Manning? Like, like are, you, are you like feet first down or are you like? Like, like this. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I come off the roof just like that and the sheet goes flying. And I, I, I like am lifting my legs because yeah. I'm going to hit these boulders. And then my feet. that's going to help. Yep, it's going to help. <laughs> Lift and, your legs. <laughs> and my feet hit the snow on the boulders as the rope catches. And the rope catches me, my feet go into the snow, and I hit the wall, and I'm hanging there. Hardly just enough impact on the snow to make my boot print, but not enough to like hit the rocks. And I'm dangling there and fighting to try and unhook myself. I unhook myself and come around the corner as Luke pulls up in his truck with his supplies and his headlights hit me and my eyes are like, uh. But you had a grin. Again, you're stupid. Because I, I can't believe it. And he, he knew something was wrong and he gets out of his truck and goes, what happened? He's like, come. <laughs> and I had to just show him the whole, you could just see my two boot prints in the snow. The rope hanging. The rope hanging. Oh. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, oh, that was awesome. Yeah, your your pose as you were flying down yeah. reminds me of when you fell off the ladder at Bill Hibbert's place. We were building that little thing back there, and oh, we had addition, yeah. some ladders set up. You were at the very peak of this, the top there, and it was like this janky setup. I think there was two ladders, and you were on the top where you're not supposed to stand, and you were going to transition to one. Yeah. Stupidly, like you're way up there, and I remember <laughs> pretty, concrete floor, probably like pretty wisely, like <clears throat> limber. Yes, I don't know about. Stupid. And you go to step off the one on the top rung onto the other one, and of course, as soon as you push, that ladder goes poof this way, and he comes flying down. But same pose though, like a cat, just like <laughs> down there, and you stomp the landing, and just like with all your tools on, boom, and you're totally fine. That was me. That I don't was you. This. Oh, I was like. I was like, I'm working with the, with the God here. I, I, I don't know how. Legolas. Yeah. It's like when he comes off the elephant. 
Exactly. Yeah, you're such a loser. Yeah. Legolas. Yeah, but that house. Star Trekker. That house. When I fell off the roof, that was the house. I remember we had a whole like meeting. And that's when we had the conversation of like, where's the, what's the future of this together, working together. And I remember even mm. that was the job I went back to school mm. and uh, was trying to like get my ticket so I could offer more. Like you were saying, I didn't have the same experience and skill. And so I wanted to go have more confidence for myself, but also to pass that on to our customers and stuff. And I remember having those conversations at that house mm. of like, what's the future of this? And then it wasn't much longer after that. We had built your house mm -hmm. uh, here in Summerland and our house, we were building it right after you guys started. So we built each other's houses. In the same cul-de-sac. Like you yep. guys were like- Right across the street from each other. Yep. And it was on that job. <laughs> Speaking of- the difficulty of relationship and being friends and working on each other's houses. Mm. There was a, I don't know if you remember the moment, but on that house we were building for me, I don't even know what we were fighting about, but there was, <laughs> there was a moment on the foundation walls where I had, I don't know what it was, but I had had enough of something. And I felt like, you know what? No, I'm the boss now. This <laughs> is my house. You work for me. And I, I don't know what we were fighting about, but it was like a moment of like you talked about, hey, wait a minute, you're an employee or you're like in your mind, you build this like hierarchy. And I remember in that moment, which I feel awful about in hindsight, but you get the, the frustrations build and then you justify your tantrum based on here's the hierarchy. And it was a little moment of like, no, you work for me. And then a little spat. But it was in the finishing of our home I think that I finally said, yeah, I don't think this is the career for me. And the point in which we settled the business mm -hmm. and I stepped away from it and I was just working on my house. Mm -hmm. And uh, from then on, it was just finishing my house. I think I came and helped you guys with a few odds and ends on some houses in Summerland mm -hmm. and then just did various odd jobs for people worked for friends in town, Steve with his crazy delivery house onto the yeah. footings and oh, his orchard. And there's lots of really neat experiences, like did siding, did roofing, did gutters, did <clears throat> stonework. And I just kept doing all kinds of different things, which was really great. But I just knew in my guts of like, I didn't want to do this forever. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't too much longer before we sold our house and moved mm -hmm. to Alberta. Yeah. I'm thinking back to the other projects that kind of happened in that time. And one of them that was probably the most, it was one of the most fond memories was, was one that we, we did a bunch of it together anyway, was on the top of the hill in Summerland here. You know, it was like five, 10 minute drive to work. And it was two friends who had bought these two lots on top of mm. a hill side by side. And they hired us to build, do concrete and framing in these two homes. Two retired couples. Yeah. Walkout basements on them both. Um, and Hugh and Dennis were the, were the two guys, the yep. husbands of the two couples, and just treated us phenomenally. Yep. They, were, they were so appreciative. Uh, we worked our tails off for them, but they brought us Tim Hortons coffees and donuts every day yep. and beers every Friday. And the project lasted 
ages. They were, they were long, they were big houses. Yeah, they were, yeah. And then they kept getting us back to do more and more work yeah. and all kinds of retaining walls and all kinds of stuff. And I remember those ones too. Um, I think it was Dennis's. The uh, heating contractor didn't really organize and design their systems very good. And it was 10 foot ceilings. And we ended up having to drop the entire ceiling a foot, the entire mm. basement. Yeah. Because nothing could be tucked into the joists. And that's also a job where I remember driving up to that job on a Monday morning after a windstorm and having trusses oh, yeah. in the garage that had, that had we had all leaned up that had flipped over and were hanging and blown over. We had to put those back up. And we had a really, really hard push to finish sheeting a roof by the end of Friday. Yep. And we didn't get a chance to nail it off because it got dark. Yep. It's just tacked on the four corners. It did, yeah, all the sheets were just tacked and we had a windstorm again because yep. those hoses were so exposed. And we came back early, early the next morning to wrap it up with the wind blowing and we're driving up the hill to the house and we can see sheets missing from I the roof. I thought someone called you. I thought someone said... Uh, I could be wrong. Maybe I remember we, there was, we were all making calls to each other, like, guys, like the, it's blowing like yeah. mad. Is anyone there yet? And then we were all like concerned. And then I remember us having to, no damage done anywhere, but I think we had seven sheets that peeled off the roof yeah. in different locations. And in the midst of the, we didn't get them nailed down. So in the midst of the windstorm, we had to wrestle them back up there and like lay on them and nail them down. Like it was, mm -hmm. it was so sketchy. Yeah. It was brutal. I think so by that, that was, time too, we had, our crew was changing Kind of mm -hmm. that time, as Dustin was slowly phasing out, there was a few other hires. I can't remember if Justin was Justin with us on that house. I know Daniel Braun was because I remember mm -hmm. the winter time when we were working there. Daniel Braun took a, a floor joist, about a six foot long floor joist. You got, you'll explain the, the property a little <clears throat> bit first because it was like this giant hill, right? Up into both sides, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there was the kind of the main road that went down, and there was a long drive that went up, and then from the top of their house. There was just a big steep hill all the, the way field. down to the road. Yeah, and it was yeah. kind of like all uh, sagebrush and yeah. crap. And, and so Daniel, um, on coffee break, he gets this six-foot floor joist, and then he went in, and actually I think he got like some of the tin bashers, just there was some leftover scraps. scrap there, and he like nailed on like this these skis basically to the bottom and curved up the top there. And then we spent the coffee break, all of these – Idiots just sliding down the hill towards the, the road there. And yeah. Uh, yeah, that was super fun. Yeah, between sliding down on the, the iJoy sled he made and the, the aluminum A-frame ladder right. that, yeah. that you could sit on the... I think you did it down the driveway. I remember, I want to yeah. say like you were just sitting there on, on... It looked like a dog sled. He's standing yeah. two, two feet on the one end of the ladder and then holding on to the upper ones there and just like rocketing down yeah. like that. Was, yeah, that was I wonder if that was the same time because I um, had made a death ski... Do you remember this when we went to bargaining as as a as friends and i brought out i had built in my garage took an old ski just yep. a single ski and built a little seat to sit on top of it yes and i i feel like his this little story was the inspiration for making this stupid ski probably was and we went out into the woods and we had this one track and i remember trying to stay on the single ski sitting there mm. with your feet like this trying to balance Going in insane speed. Yep, yep. Those are the winters of pulling, pulling to the behind our trucks yep. and our kids and yep. all of that. Yeah, I've been through all of this stuff too. You know, we're newly married and having kids and doing all kinds of life together. It was a uh, well. And speaking great... of that, being in the cul-de-sac, I remember you guys would take care of each other's kids. Yeah. And then sometimes kids would be just wandering around the cul-de-sac in <laughs> diapers, 
when well, you guys were like, oh, what well, happened there? The one, There's the some... one ridiculous one was that yeah, you guys had gone out for an evening. Was it Megan or Livia? It was it was Livy. It was Livy. So you guys had gone out for the evening, and you'd put Livy down, yep. and then you know we're across the street. I don't know if you brought the baby monitor to our place. We're like, hey, Libby's yep. down. We're going out. Yep. Uh, just, you know, go over and check on her And you later had the on. other two kids with you. Yeah. So things are all fine and good. Okay, great. So they head out. And then I'm standing at our kitchen sink doing dishes. And I look up and outside our window, outside the kitchen, Livy just walks but into the backyard. Your, kitchen, your window faced away from our The other house. way. Sorry. Your house is here. My house is here. My kitchen window is facing out the backyard. Yeah. And their house is here. It called us acts like this. Livy is somehow escaped her crib and room, yep. walked across the street and behind my house is walking into my backyard. Into the wilderness. How old is she? she? I don't remember. She must have been... Under... She was under two. Under two. Just basically just able to walk. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she could have, you know, walked <clears throat> elsewhere, which would have been awful. So also I'm just like, I'm terrified. Yeah. So I ended up grabbing her. I'm like, oh, you got to go back to your house. So I back across the street into your house and into your room, into the crib. I'm like, how on earth did she get out of her crib? I closed it and I just waited. Yeah. And then I'm waiting and waiting. And then I hear some commotion in there and I open the door and here she is like got a foot through the rungs onto a drawer. Other foot is over. She's managed how to scale out of her crib. <laughs> I'm like, holy cow. And we had those lever door handles. So she was able, we have photos because we would, after that happened, we were trying to pay attention to what she was doing. And she was just tall enough to reach it with her fingertips and pull that handle down. And it was amazing that she walked straight across the cul-de-sac to oh, your house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, she could have just turned left and went onto the busy road. Yeah. But she walked right to you yeah. and mm -hmm. you saw her, like the chances of yeah. that. And then like so many things could have happened. We've seen bears in her yards. Yeah. It, yeah. There's it's, so it's many awesome things. It's awesome though that again, because this, this could, to somebody listening, especially not from Canada, you could be like, what the, but like legitly we live in such a, an awesome place. It's yeah. amazing. So blessed to be here that it's not a weird thing to be like, hey, I'm taking off for dinner with my wife. My child's sleeping in the crib. You mm -hmm. cool to just be around? Like, yeah. again, we, you know, doors are unlocked and people like, mm -hmm. so the scary bad things are like a bear or something. Yeah. But like, it's, it's such a, it's so awesome to be able to live in a place like that. And I mean, again, I loved your house. I have so many good memories of, we watched so much. That's the start of UFC mm -hmm. for yeah. us watching way back in the yeah. day. But there's, uh, there is in that house, uh, I just love it and wish we still had the house because so many people helped us build that house. Mm -hmm. And it was very much a community effort. Like there were different moments where all kinds of people from church came over to help and their names are written on the studs behind the drywall. Mm -hmm. And like our buddy Craig helped me so much on that house. And I remember I was living in my parents' little trail, little uh, fifth wheel that they just like parked in the empty lot next mm -hmm. and Christy was in Alberta with the kids so I could work on the house and I was just working on it some days just all through the night just not stopping just going 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 and lonely mm -hmm. and you're just like this job's never going to end I'm never going to get this friggin' thing done but having people come and help and admittedly it was tough like doing the flooring you and I are used to doing the flooring yeah. and having people come and help me and I ended up with a big wow in the middle of the floor <laughs> and I remember having to totally like do all this careful work to like cut the next few rows to compensate to straighten mm -hmm. it out and I remember being so irritated but then when the house was done and those names are on the studs behind the drywall and I'd come in and see that wow on the floor no one else would see it but me mm -hmm. but I'd remember those people 
and their heart to like help and help us build that home. And it very much just represented a time of like, we were building a family, we were building a business, we were building a community and how beautiful that was. And also how hard it would be to do that now. And almost like you couldn't do it now to be a young couple with no money, literally zero dollars, move to a community, have that community be like, we can't believe you're here, help offer a place to stay until we could find one. In-laws contribute a bit of money so we could buy a place, a townhouse, help us buy that lot, build it ourselves, and actually build a life and build a business. Nowadays, it feels like that would be just be impossible mm -hmm. for people to do. It was an amazing little piece of time where it, it felt like you could actually do it. Mm -hmm. And it was crazy that we did it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And looking back, there's just so much valuable like life lessons and moments and friendships. And that, you know, it was, I think it was 12 years in us going to Alberta and being in the Gulf Islands and then coming back, you know, distance between leaving Acrobus and coming back and now being part of it again. It's crazy to be back in and part of that family and that community and to look back at all that we have been through together and worked at together. It's a pretty remarkable journey. Mm -hmm. Super thankful for it. Mm -hmm. One thing I'll, I'll touch on too that was, you know, in the midst of us talking about being friends and family that, that work together and the difficulty and and stress that that brought, but at the same time, so much value and so many great times, you know, both of you guys had, especially then such a more sensitivity to kind of just social environments and could read people well. And that was, that was something that you guys would take me aside at times. I know you doing that specifically be like, Hey, that interaction that you had with so-and-so and how that <laughs> landed, I understand what you meant and how you intended that, but you probably need to go and like, mm -hmm. you know, just, have another go at that and make that right. Cause I think they're, they're feeling pretty yeah. beat up. Um, <clears throat> but one of the biggest transition points for me, um, I think in my growth was on another job we did out in Heritage Hills uh, for Daryl Chadwell. We did a couple of jobs for this gentleman. He was a fantastic guy to, to work for. Uh, he's a retired RCMP, <laughs> such a, such a straight shooter and like honest guy, but one quick side story, they have tons of deer problems up there. So peep, deer always come by, eat everyone's shrubs, eat their flowers. You're going to get them in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, you know, they're, they're, everyone's trying to keep deer away. So there's all these different deer ponds. And Daryl had this gorgeous house, beautiful garden, shrubbery stuff, and deer kept coming to eat his stuff. So he's trying like different kinds of plants that are supposed to like repel them. They won't eat. Trying, there's like different scent stuff you can put out. There was like audio devices that would pick up motion and they would send high frequency yeah. to turn the air. Nothing worked. Yeah, They're always soap on. Yeah. So he ended up borrowing my paintball gun from me. I had this Whitman, this wicked, it's a Tipman A5 paintball gun. It was awesome. Still have it? No, I sold it years ago. I wish I did. Mm. Um, but he ended up borrowing that from me and he's like, I'm use it to shoot paintballs at the deer and see if that deters them. And they ended up getting used to that and didn't care. He started putting them in the freezer, shooting the, deer with frozen paintballs. Again, they just get used to it and don't care. So he's like, I need to like do something else. He's, he's just like livid at these stupid deer. So he ends up getting a friend. So they're here, the velocity of pellet guns, I think it's like 800 foot per second or something. It's low in yeah. Canada. Whereas in the States, they're like 1200 foot per second 
um, pellet guns. So he ends up getting his hands on a U.S. pellet gun and gets this thing. So this high velocity, more higher velocity pellet gun. Deer comes out down the road. He's like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sting this thing. And mm-hmm. it's, it's going to not come back. So he's got his garage door open. From in his garage, retired RCP officer, he takes aim. He's going to pop this deer. And he shoots, shoots this deer with a pellet. It drops to the ground. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And he's just wide eyed. And this is like a high-end community. There's like, you know, six of these like multi-million dollar homes around the cul-de-sac. And he's looking at this deer laying on the road in front of his house. <laughs> Just killed him. And here's a door open and a neighbor comes out. He's like, what? What's happening? What's going on? And he, he walks out of his garage like, oh. Uh, and so the cul-de-sac, the road comes like this, cul-de-sac, houses all along here, and this big, huge cliffside here, cliff face. And the deer's laying on the road or at the bottom of it. And he comes out. He's like, oh, I... It just fell. <laughs> it oh fell from up here and it landed goodness. here. And, uh, and uh, so it's laying there. And then it starts to move and it, it uh, ends up coming to. It just got stunned and it got up and it trotted off. It was fun. Yeah. And he sold the gun and like, just stuck with the story and just like swept under the carpet. Hilarious. Ooh, so funny. Hilarious. So it just ended the last guy you'd imagine in this, in this situation. Yeah. Anyway, so during the building of their houses, uh, at one point during towards the end, I had to send a couple of my channel lengths to my my right hand guys. I had to send them back to that job to do some back framing. I was Darryl no longer a right hand guy. <laughs> See, this is Chad and Lance who surpassed me. So. You're, you're my left hand, my left <laughs> right, hand guy then. Right. <clears throat> um, so I had to send them to do some back framing and stuff. And so they go out to the job and bring tools they need and get the stuff done and and come back. And I think it was that evening after that job I sent the guys out there for. Daryl gave me a call, and we had a fantastic relationship. Um, really good mutual respectful relationship learned lots from him and it was it was great but he he uh he said yeah this you know the guys came out took care of the stuff i needed which was great um but just so you're aware there's a few other things that i i kind of wanted to look at and get their thoughts on and uh they were terrified to make any kind of a decision or give any kind of input because they were terrified of the thought of making a decision and not making the decision that you would make. And on one hand, I was kind of like, damn right. My <laughs> business, my company's my name on it. I should make all the decisions. And so that was my, my knee-jerk reaction in the moment was like a little bit of pride, but that right away switched into, I have done these guys a bit of a disservice. I have actually micromanaged so much and controlled everything so much that I've actually not instilled confidence in them to make decisions and actually instilled trust. I've actually made them fearful. And as much as they love working for me, I love having them on. We have a great time. We work well together. When it comes down to building a business and building into your employees, I realized at that moment, like, if I'm going to actually have a humble approach to this, I need to take this on the chin and be like, okay, there's, there's some learning and some development, some growth that's got to happen on my part so that I can pour into these young guys that I hold so valuable, that love working for me, but I need to actually start building into them. Um, and so Daryl and I had a good little chat and I, I took that heart. And it was at that moment that I very intentionally kind of shifted um, my approach to employees, which was not like an instantaneous black and white shift. Like, okay, now I'm this way. It was like over the next couple of years, like I need to start intentionally, deliberately building into these guys, passing on responsibility. And in doing that, they will start to develop confidence. I'm going to, the reality of this is I'm going to end up having to 
pay out of pocket for mistakes that are going to happen sometimes. But unless I'm willing to do that, they're never actually going to learn because all they're going to do is be afraid to make a decision because how would Luke make the decision? What would, what's the decision he would make? And so to kind of step back and empower them and over the next like few years to get to a position where they're actually running jobs, they're doing layout, they're running a crew, and I'm managing and helping. And I would actually then work to the point that I could show up on a job that they're running and say, how can I help? What do you want me to do? Do you want me to go strip races? Do you want me to go sheet the roof? And it was like, oh, it's great. Luke's here to help out. I can cut him loose on whatever I want versus me showing up being like, okay, I'm taking over here now. You're going to cut for me. I'm going to do layout and control everything. Um, that was a major shift for me to actually build into them and give them confidence and step away, which allowed the company to build, to, to grow. It gave them confidence to run with the guys. It freed up a lot of my time and it was nothing but positive. It, it meant that there was some humility required on my part, a lot of it, and, and having to deal with mistakes that were made that could have been avoided. Um, but that's the journey you have to go through. So in saying that, that was some of what I think has been my journey, you know, through later years with the framing company and then with this business mm-hmm. and then in, in your, my interactions um, and then, you know, that, that kind of new realm that we're back into again and trying to manage that and keep that as a priority that, you know, that there's a intentional effort to build into, to build respect, to build confidence. And when times I don't do that, which are not few to have the humility to like to right those wrongs and like have follow-up discussions to be like okay yesterday or this afternoon this and this happened and in hindsight now i realize like that was a that's kind of an asshole move for me to make that was a something that wasn't respectful in the moment it was a clutch decision that was wrong and to to make that right and own that um has been a a journey that's been a hard one but the one that's so valuable mm-hmm Okay, um, so I think as far as this episode goes and the timeline that we're looking at, that kind of brings the uh, construction year time with mm-hmm. you and I together, kind of wraps that that phase up. Uh, there's mm-hmm. so many other little details and stories amongst that that we'll touch on from time to time in coming episodes, I'm sure. But uh, for the time being, I think we'll we'll cut this one off here yep. and then uh, step into the next phase of the history with, well, I'm going to keep you on board, Brad, because you're still part of the next phase and i'll probably get tiana in here and then uh who's tiana my wife tiana oh yeah will come in and be a part <laughs> of the next episode because she's obviously got her insight from her side and uh through the next several of construction and then the beginnings of starting to build tool belts which is of course where we're kind of going with this eventually and where we're sitting now so thanks guys mm-hmm. it was a, a great time thanks Pleasure. for sharing and uh We'll do the behind the scenes debrief to make sure feelings are intact. <laughs> <laughs> Move forward, good. <laughs> it's great. That's awesome. Okay, thanks everybody for watching and listening. We'll see you later.